0: Behind every amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown. A behind-the-scenes look at new flavors and the chefs, pastry chefs, and bartenders who create them with your host, Emmanuel. Hey there. Welcome to another episode of the Flavors Unknown podcast. I am your host, Emmanuel Roche. I have been involved in the food industry in Europe and the U.S. for more than 20 years. And every other week, I interview trending pastry chefs and bartenders to discover new flavors and ingredients they are experimenting with, to have their viewpoints of the hospitality industry today and the restaurants and the bar business. If this is the first time that you are listening to the podcast, then uh, welcome. And uh, last week, my guest was uh, Celebrity Chef Jose Garces. It was a great episode that you do not want to miss. And make sure to uh, subscribe you know, to the podcast to make sure that you are not missing any upcoming episode. My guest today is Chef Alison Trent from uh, Isabel in West Hollywood, Los Angeles. She talks about uh, what took her from Canberra, Australia to LA, California, with a stop at the Cunary Institute in New York City. She talks about her experience at the famous French Laundry in California, and she's convinced that the future of the industry is through collaboration. You can find the show notes from this episode, as well as all the previous ones, at flavorsunknown.com. Just click on the episode page. Hi, how are you, Chef?
1: Hi, I'm very well. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm really thrilled to have you on Flavors Unknown because it's not easy. It seems to have you a know, woman chef to come on the show. So I'm, I'm really excited to be able to speak to you. I'm excited to talk to you, too. Can you briefly explain to us like the reason that took you from Canberra, Australia? then to the French Culinary Institute, that was the name of it at that time, like in New York, and then, you know, to move after that in LA, in California.
1: Sure. So I was born and raised in Canberra, the capital of Australia. I was the youngest of four children. I have a twin brother, in fact, and I was always a bit of the wild child, definitely a big, big personality and um definitely liked sort of the intense side of things. And When I discovered cooking, it just suited me absolutely to the T. You know, it just made perfect sense to me. I had a taste of the intensity of the kitchen and I wanted to see more. So when I was 18, I moved to Sydney and lived there for a couple of years and did some bartending, did some some high-end retail and, and then I just, I, I was exposed to kind of kitchen life and I was just looking at those chefs thinking like, I could absolutely do this. So the decision was just very organic for me. I just decided this is what I want to do and I always wanted to move to New York City and so I did that and went to culinary school there and after New York, I was there for about three years but I really sort of longed for that better climate, something more similar to Australia. And that's what took me back to Los Angeles.
0: Okay, so um, you know a little bit out of like uh, the the big cities, and um, you know, like maybe no space um, in in a place that um, you know you feel better. Uh, exactly, I felt or, uh, I felt
1: can. as you know as fun as New York City is. It it was somewhat oppressive, you know, due to the weather and just being so hot in the summer, and so cold in the winter. And you know, I'm a really avid gardener, so I just sort of missed that outdoor life of being able to grill and uh, really enjoy the outdoors.
0: And then when you started in LA, so you had the experience working with, uh, you know, outstanding mentors. So you spent time with uh, Chef uh, Michael Cimaruzzi at um, Providence, and then of course, Thomas Keller, you know, at Bouchon first. And last, I have to say as well, in between, you went to the French Laundry. So so what did you learn from, um, you know, the time you spent with those um, individuals?
1: Well, I was always very ambitious going through culinary school and I really wanted to surround myself with the best possible chefs to work for. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I definitely told a little white lie to Michael Simarussi in regards to how much experience I had had, which was very limited. And uh, coming from New York, he was like, OK, I'll just throw you on the fish station. And I got my ass. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Boy. Kicked, but it really taught me the fundamentals of cooking and being in a professional restaurant and, you know, the amazing ingredients and, you know, really feeling that culture of being a family, you know, like you really are so close to all the lion cooks and you're all going into battle every service together. And you sort of, you know, maybe you come out unscathed, maybe you come out, you know, a few years older. It really, it was challenging, but it was, it was very rewarding. And I learned a lot. And then, of course, you know, working for Thomas Keller and the goal when I moved to Bouchon was to work at the French Laundry I'd looked at. I'd seen the cookbook for going to culinary school and I had sort of made that my goal. Like, I am going to work at that restaurant. I'm going to be part of that sort of culinary movement. And you really do have that sensation when you work there that you are part of something that's unique and incredible. So I took a lot away from both of those chefs and I'll always be grateful for it.
0: What is it about the, you know, the French Laundry, every cook, you know, every uh, chef that I talk to make the reference point to the, um, you know, to the cooking book, you know, from the French Laundry cooking book. And what is, uh, you know, so inspiring working, you know, at that place? Can you give us some, you know, specifics, like an example?
1: So, I mean, you get there and... um... You're just blown away by the produce. So having a culinary garden on hand where you work directly with the farmer, of course, was a big interest to me. So I really got involved with that. The fact that the menu changes every day. So after your you know 15-hour shift, you sit down. For the following day, you sit down and a menu planning meeting and you figure out exactly what you're doing for the following day. Forever changing the menu. You're forever trying new things on a daily basis so daily you're making mistakes and you know having successes and you know really 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 challenges you as a chef to sit down and you know throw ideas out on the table and be rejected creatively and you know really really intense environment and you know I should say that well of course I'm extremely grateful and privileged to work there you know, there is, there's definitely some, some hostile, you know, environment you know, to, that you really have to deal with. You really, really, you know, and it has nothing to do with gender. It doesn't have anything to do with me being a woman. And in fact, there were other women working there at the time. I mean, it's obviously more male dominated in the kitchen, but, you know, I just, to be honest, I learned, I learned things that I, you know, also don't want to take that same approach in terms of, you know, bullying and aggression. And, you know, it's this cycle of, of sort of ego that I really want to get so far away from in the industry, and i I think that you know there is a movement, and you know the culture is changing, but there is still a lot in fine dining that is misogynistic and not okay,
0: yeah, how was it when you know the first time you started there with the past experience that you had, is it, it's like the step was that that high that it was very you know, difficult like the first weeks, so I, I don't know. Month, oh my goodness. You know, first you, you difficult
1: there? for the first few years. You know, it's really years, when you okay. <laughs> when you get to the wow. French laundry, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. You know, I'd come from a, you know, really high end restaurant in Los Angeles and then Bouchon, you know, you get there and you're you're stripped of everything that you already know. You basically basically you get the sensation that you know nothing about cooking and you're gonna start again and You know, I hope that things have changed somewhat and progressed in a positive way. But, you know, it's really, really, really challenging. And there's a lot of verbal abuse that goes on. And physically, you know, it's extremely, it's extremely challenging. And, you know, unfortunately, it's this cycle where You know the people above you have been treated poorly, and you know this old school French mentality where people have to scream in people's faces to get French.
0: Yes, of course. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and it is it, it is effective in in the sense that it gives you a lot of discipline and it gives you a thick skin. You know, I've seen grown men cry and walk out of the French laundry. I've seen you know really accomplished female chefs just be like, I can't I can't put up with this level of you know verbal kind of torture essentially and you know you, you, you there's no real blame to be put on anyone directly you know i'd never never name names but you know the the cycle is that they grew up in this in this, this is culture what they
0: yeah they learned and, yeah exactly, exactly. And we we're and repeating it exactly
1: yeah. so i think that is something that i took away that was really really important for me and that is you know what i i made it through and and after the 2 years you know i definitely gained the trust of some of the chefs, you know, and, you know, had a really creative role in, in terms of menu planning. And it finally felt like, oh, I've made it and I've succeeded. And, but when I look back on those sort of first few years where it's just absolutely grueling, you know, the hours, the physical aspect of it, and then to be sort of mistreated, it's, uh, it's not how I, I, you know, it's not how I think people should be treated. And I'm, I'm absolutely
0: against it. Was it a time that uh, you wanted to quit? at the beginning?
1: You know what? No, I'm, I'm a bulldog. So when I, wow, you know, when I get my Good teeth into something, I was like, I am absolutely not, not like leaving here with my tail between my legs. I also have a lot of responsibility. You know, I, I really feel that I would never, you know, people that have sort of walked out of French laundry in the middle of service. I always wondered like, oh, how could you, how could you do that? You know, you're letting down a team. So I'm definitely a loyalist and yeah and and felt like there was a big responsibility to succeed and do well and you know there were many challenges to overcome but you know at the end i left oh i wanted to quit every every day for the first (laughs) year but of course you know i i I just soldiered through i was i was not going to be you know i was not going to be that person crying and, and running offline and and not being able to to do the job it was really important for me to succeed
0: you say it was not gender specific but you know they are definitely nowadays more high profile female chefs you know and pastry chef as well in the industry more than you know they were in a few decades ago so do you have the sense that the profession is changing in and you know it's openness to women
1: i mean absolutely i feel i mean right now my current crew isabel specifically there are a lot of women working for me there and you know it's it's a safe Fun, intense, but respectful environment. And I believe that, I believe it is changing, you know, but the reality is staffing is so, so incredibly hard here in Los Angeles where there are too many restaurants, not enough cooks that want to just be cooks, you know. They, they you know, people want to be a sous chef or they want some kind of different status, but to find line cooks, I mean, it's incredibly challenging. So I think it's about, it's about building a team and an environment where people want to work. You know, you could not treat people the way you know some of these high-end restaurants do because you, you know, when you go to the French Laundry, you're so desperate to work there, right? I mean, I didn't even ask what my rate of pay would be. I was just like, I'll work for free. You know, like that's fine. Like I, you know, because knowledge is power in in this industry, like anything else. And you know, the, the what you learn really, you know, propels your career in the future. So you sort of have this selfless sort of approach where you just would do anything to work there. Here in Los Angeles, it's absolutely not like that. You know, you have to take care of your employees. You really, really have to treat people with a lot of respect and, and be flexible in some, in some degree.
0: You have now two restaurants located in West Hollywood. So Isabel and Laurel Hardware. So can you please describe us uh, like uh, to us what Isabel is about?
1: Sure. So Isabel is an absolutely beautiful space. So it's uh just down the road from Santa Monica Boulevard, so a real sort of pub in West Hollywood just until recently. So four years in, we just finally put up a sign saying that it's uh saying that it's a restaurant, but before then, it, you know, you would never know this <laughs> nondescript building. Yeah, it's
0: beautiful, yeah. I was lucky to go there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so you sort of, uh, op- you know, you walk in and it opens up into this beautiful urban oasis and you're sitting below fairy lights and olive trees and really beautiful sort of antique furniture everywhere. Just really, really, really beautifully designed. And then the menu is, you know, it's not fine dining. It's definitely like, more casual. We encourage people to share, but, you know, really, really high-end ingredients. I mean, for me, sourcing ingredients is one of the most important things for being a chef my biggest thing is like, I am just so done with all the ego in the kitchen. You know, I put up with so much crap <laughs> that I do not want that to be a part of what I do in the future. And so I honestly think that, you know, you really have to listen to the demographic, you know, and, and say, what do these people want to come here and eat? You know, it's a very social place. It's really kind of a sceney spot for sure. But, you know, definitely in the last four years, it went from, being one thing into a new identity and it didn't start off with this really specific, like, Oh, this is what we're going to do. But yeah, it's definitely morphed and evolved into something that's, you know, a heavy dinner crowd and people coming in and just eating and drinking and, you know, really socializing. It's not stuffy at all. There's no tablecloths. It's a beautiful restaurant. We serve great food and the ambience is like absolutely awesome.
0: Yeah. And you're talking about, uh, you know, the customers. So I guess you have seen a lot of celebrities, you know, coming uh, to Isabel because it's the place as well to be seen, you know, mm-hmm. in West Hollywood. So <laughs> you have uh, special moments maybe that you can share with us with maybe some, one celebrity that, um, you know, that was something interesting.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I don't usually get very starstruck, but I have to say, uh, I've got two experiences, actually, I want to tell you quickly. And one of the, the most recent one was Snoop Dogg was in there and he was just absolutely chain smoking chain smoking blunts in the outdoor patio <laughs> and just kept and I was introduced to him and he just kept asking me for more fried shrimp and uh, I thought it was really funny because he must have been he must have been <laughs> pretty hungry with the munchies and then the other <laughs> one is uh Dolly Parton that was uh oh, that wow. That was really cool. I was like, oh, wow, she's a living legend, and she gave me a hug, and I remember her perfume was so strong that it stayed on my chef jacket, <laughs> and I kept sniffing oh it gosh. through the rest of the service and <laughs> <It> was <laughs> blasting Jolene in the kitchen. So, yeah, no, it was. It, that was cool. That was cool.
0: Okay. <laughs> so now how is Laurel Hardware different from uh from Isabel? But it's still in West Hollywood, correct?
1: It is, yeah. It's just around the corner, which is nice because it's kind of like a backup scenario, you know, like really I mean a lot of issues happen with ordering and, you know, being shorted on something and so it's really nice to have a sister restaurant around the corner where, you know, they call up at ten o'clock at night and they've just had sold an you know, an insane amount of fries or something and you know, we run with little like run it over to them and you know we we help each other out it's definitely definitely two very different restaurants but there's you know a definitely like it's not competitive like there's it, a level of respect and you know we really help each other out in terms of production but Laurel Hardware is it's honestly sort of an institution at this point you know it really has a strong local vibe and you know people come in and you know they'll Drink and eat, and just you know, they'll come in for a full dinner or just snacks at the bar. And so, again, we really try and listen to the demographic there and say, okay, well, what what do these people want to eat? And again, the same thing comes—you know—it comes back to it's simple food: it's pizza, it's pasta. It's you know, you'd think in West Hollywood, everyone you know is on the old model diet and and just eating air, but in fact, you know, we sell more pasta and pizza than anything else. And you know, it's just it's comfort American food that is done well. ingredients and and executed in positive fashion but yeah no it's it's a real neighborhood restaurant for sure
0: sourcing is very important selection of the ingredients you know to you you know i was reading some of interviews that you have done and so it seems that you know forwards are key to you uh, way of cooking which is seasonality sustainability and locally grown So uh, can you a little bit explain to us what each represents, you know, for you and, and why they are so important?
1: Sure. So, I mean, I was really fortunate enough to work for chefs that really instilled that into me from a young age. And one of my favorite parts about this profession is the relationships that I build with farmers and different vendors. And honestly, some of my closest friends currently, actually pretty much all of them come from and through work. And that is, you know, aligning yourself with like-minded people that care about, A, the environment, that care about good food. And again, just really sort of no ego behind any of it. So I think sustainability for me is extremely important because, you know, I want to see this profession, you know, moving forward and evolving in a way that is sustainable. And using waste in an appropriate way is absolutely fundamental for that to to be continued you know local produce I think is really important because a lot of people think you know they want to see like organic splashed on something and you know they I feel like in some ways and you know not to not to sound pretentious but you know I feel like some people sometimes people know like just enough not to know exactly you know what they're talking about that is you know to become certified organic you need to be a farm that is making, you know, a ton of profit and you know be able to jump through all these hoops. So by only buying organic things at the supermarket or anywhere, you're basically shutting those people out. So the best possible thing you can do as a consumer is to go to your local farmers market and support local farmers who honestly work harder than chefs, you know, like the relationships I've built in the last couple of years and you know really getting to know the ins and outs of the farming industry, it's brutal, you know, it makes my job look like a walk in the park. I mean, it's, and also, you know, the fishing industry and, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize, like, you don't know anything about, you know, you're so limited in what you know. So, honestly, I can say that is is um, you know, people need to scratch this idea of, like, certified organic and just shop at their local farmer's market and meet the farmers, you know. Most of the time, they're super awesome people and They're going to love the fact that you love what they're doing and they need that support because otherwise they won't survive. And, you know, with property and everything sort of going up, I mean, they're staying in the industry, you know, out of respect and, you know, not selling. They could sell their farm and, you know, probably live off the, the proceeds for the rest of their their time. But it's about maintaining their integrity as a farmer. And I just have the utmost respect for people that that go down that path.
0: You have done recently, I mean, I think like end of last year in October, a special event, correct? Like cooking at the, the Weiser family farm. Um, yeah, exactly. This is and one of the suppliers that you are working with. Exactly. Can you talk to us a little bit about the, this event that you, you put together?
1: Sure. So Alex Weiser is sort of one of the most famous farmers here in Los Angeles in terms of, you know, he almost started that. Santa Monica farmers market and his family's been in the business for years and years, decades. He works closely with a woman called Sherry and she is uh, Tehachapi Grain Project. So basically, they've started growing these incredible grains again in California because they moved away from doing it here and into other states that could also kind of, that needed something to farm, right? So of course, everything is better in California. So when she started producing these grains, it's a real movement in terms of, wow, these are actually much better than grains we're getting from other states in the country. And so I really got behind that mentality and supporting Wiser Farms. And essentially, it was a dinner to sort of showcase my own like personal event company and So a lot of what I do is a lot of visual art sort of on the side. I do a lot of painting and sculpture and ceramics and, you know, anything visual art art related, I'm an absolute fan of. And so it was kind of marrying all these things together, right? It's horticulture, design, you know, for lack of a better word, like this incredible tablescape that ran down uh, tables in the farm. We set up an impromptu kitchen in a barn. We had power. But mostly we cooked off a, <laughs> thank goodness. But mostly we cooked off a big grill, and you know we served forty people, and it was a really unique experience. And I think that's what we're moving towards now, just in general, is is, is experiences. And I love to get outside of the kitchen, and you know I did a dinner recently at a, a ceramic studio, which people were sort of really blown away by because a they get the experience to make a pot themselves and learn how to you know throw a pot on the wheel and and then they eat from these absolutely incredible ceramic art pieces that uh you know they really have a a much bigger appreciation you know we've been eating out of vessels for as long as we can remember but you know that sort of connection between what we eat from and, and what we eat is sometimes sort of lost in in the uh in the mix of things and so i work really closely with Match ceramics, and they do an absolutely phenomenal like job of collaboration. So I have a dish in mind, and I'm like, oh, I think something like this will work. And then he comes back with something that absolutely blows me away. And you know, it's, I, I really believe collaboration is the key to moving forward.
0: Okay, so it's a back and forth between the artists and and you, the crafts woman, I would say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> from you. A, a culinary standpoint. <laughs> Uh-huh. And, uh, the idea is that, um, you know, there's an idea about like the dish and then you have an idea about uh, some ingredients and you guys work together. Uh, exactly. To, um, and collaborate on the final recipe. So you have an, maybe an example to share with us on, uh, something that, um, you know, either the ceramic was inspiration or that the produce was inspiration for the, the person we did, um, know the plate. Absolutely.
1: So for my event company, Allison Trent Events, I, um, really want to, make it something so unique where it's not just this catering company that's shoving past canapes in your face and you're like, Oh no, this is, this is social. Like, no, thank you. I'm fine. Declining. But creating essentially these absolutely like beautiful installations using his ceramics and it can be stationary and people are just drawn to it. Right. You know, the, the, there's, there's art on it. It's food on art, you know, and I just think that people have never sort of seen something sort of so uh, avant-garde in terms of some of these plates that he's creating. You know, they're just very unconventional. They're really, really unique. And I had him make for me this beautiful plate, which essentially, you know, it's for past canopies at a party, but, you know, it's got this sort of deep rim around the outside where I can plant essentially like a little garden in it and have you know, succulents hanging down and, you know, as opposed to, you know, you having someone walking around and, and like I said, shoving this thing in your face, people are drawn to it. You can almost stand stationary and people are like, this is so beautiful. And, you know, it's a cliche, you eat with your your eyes first, but it's really true. And it makes such a huge difference to have that collaboration. And I just love it too. You know, I think that there's been such culture of like ego, ego in kitchens for so long and cooking and everyone sort of wanting to be the best and so competitive. And yeah, you have to be competitive. But I think that, you know, working alongside other artists and people that are like minded, you know, I think is extremely important. And in terms of collaboration, I mean, I honestly, again, think that that's the sort of the future of the industry where we break down people thinking that they're better than everybody else and. We start sending young chefs. I mean, that's the only way you continue learning, right? Is just to be exposed to different things and you know, it's a profession where you can never know it all. You know, there's there's no end to it. So even as an executive chef, you know, you want to go and travel, you wanna go and work and see what other people are doing, and it shouldn't be something that's closed. You should be absolutely open to to just working with people and and sharing recipes and
0: experiences and I think that's where it's headed so when you're talking about this new company that Alison Trent Evans so this is something that comes from you and someone you want to collaborate with and you are putting like an event together and people come and experience it or You have some people like reaching out to you to um, create, you know, events with with you. So how how does it work?
1: All of those things. So I have a, a website and people reach out and essentially, you know, again, I want to be inspired by the clients and, you know, maybe it's an event that's a team building exercise for, you know, a corporate company, or maybe it's, you know, an open house in a beautiful place, you know. It's it really sort of working with the client one on one to create this absolutely standout and unique experience, you know, leaving the guests saying, Oh wow, I've never seen anything like that before and it kind of marries all of my passions in life, which is, you know, the visual arts, you know, it's it's installation, it's cooking in different environments, not being sort of trapped in one kitchen and four walls and then, you know, really interactive things. So maybe, you know, it's an event where there's a big tablescape set up and people are given a little menu and they have to sort of forage from that, that table. And yeah, so it's, it's, and people really, really, when they, you know, meet the chef. And so this farm dinner recently, you know, you have the farmer sitting there, you have the beekeeper sitting there, you have the pastry chef sitting there, you know, it's really like, it's a really eclectic group of people that have all sort of come together and are sharing this meal. And, appreciating every aspect of it. So from the ceramic element to, you know, just your environment in general, like it really touches people on a different level where it's not just like, oh, it's another restaurant and yeah, the food was good. But, you know, this is, you get to sort of pick people's brains and, and learn as you're eating and you just have a much higher appreciation
0: of it. He really uh, connects with the trends at the moment about like, uh, you know, experience, People want to live an experience, and that's what you are offering, you know, to them. So that that that's great.
1: Yeah, and for sure, there's. I mean, there's so many restaurants you can go to that are really delicious food, and you know, you walk away thinking, oh, that was great. But have an experience to really feel like you were a part of something is it changes your life in some way? You know, as maybe cheesy as that sounds, and you know, it's really true. It takes you out of your comfort zone of just going to a dinner and makes you think of. And these are things I already consider, right? Ceramics and the farmer. And, but this is not something that sort of the, you know, average diner thinks about when they go out to eat and just how much sort of work goes into it and how all of these relationships are really symbiotic. And, you know, my relationship with the farmer, Alex Weiser, you know, he'll text me and say, Hey, my mom's avocado tree is blowing up. Do you want some personal avocados from her? yard and i'm like absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. yeah i want some yeah, i want some vip avocados one of my favorite ingredients <laughs> but you know and and it just and it, and it does make a difference and you you know really want to support these people because you love them as friends
0: no but as you said before i think for the people listening you know that says oh I, of course you know she's a chef so she has access to all those great ingredients but everyone can go to their you know local farmers' markets and enjoy quality you know ingredient as well so absolutely that, that's, and that's okay. yeah,
1: I feel like especially in summer, you know I like to try and I mean obviously the menu reflects differently, but you know in summer personally, I try and eat sort of like less protein and stay more with you know like tomatoes and you know just really fresh bright ingredients because it's hot here in l a right so don't want to be eating
0: anything too heavy. What's your next Evan? what is the one coming up? can you? Maybe they have one coming up that you can talk about.
1: Yeah. So the next one is going to be an open house and it's this absolutely incredible mansion in Bel-Air. La La. La La. Yeah. And and essentially, so I also work with a really, really talented pastry chef named Chris Ford from Four Seasons. And he's one of my best friends. And he and I sort of like collaborate again, you know, this collaboration thing is absolutely everything. I can't stress it enough, but you know, we're each other's, you know, right hand, you know, I'm savory. He is pastry and he's so incredibly meticulous about everything he does. And so we've sort of recently started doing some events together and he does the, uh, in the sweet aspect of everything. But yeah, this one we have coming up is this absolutely beautiful house that, you know, you're, you're dealing with clients that, you know, they're not going to just like wander into a, an open house and, Think, oh yes, I can imagine myself living here. The realtors really want to give them an experience while they're there to sort of make them realize like, oh, this could be your home and something like this could happen in your home, right? They're salespeople, but that's the, that's the goal. So just doing this really beautiful installation where people come up and can eat some cheese and charcuterie and, you know, drink some wine and a few, you know, past canopies going around the yard and you know, really interacting with the people that are there, talking to them about the process. You know, I'm super social. So I love going to tables. I love talking people's ears (laughs) off. But, you know, most most of the time, and obviously you get a feel for whether someone's sort of into it or not, but, you know, most of the time people are so excited to meet the chef. And I'm like, ah, awesome. I'm so excited to meet you. You know, like you (laughs) love the food. And, you know, that's what it's about, right? It's such hard, grueling, sometimes repetitive, work that to hear someone say hey this is the best meal i had in la you know it's like it kind of makes it all worth it and to have those you know and to have those sort of interactions is like really i feel like it's really important to sort of keep you sane in a way
0: (laughs) so this podcast you know flavors unknown is as well to talk a little bit about you know specific ingredients and and unique flavors or different flavors so i'm curious and with your collaboration with your friend you know from um, the the pastry side and the dessert side can you give us some example of uh, things that you have worked together or maybe some ingredients that maybe belong more to um, like the dessert world that uh, you know in that crust you know with um, you know your savory world or the reverse
1: i did a dinner with chris ford recently well i guess it was actually the end of last year which is slipping away very quickly this year but essentially, we were working with honey nut squash, which is, you know, a, it's a Dan Barber invention where they took two different squashes and married them together. And the result is absolutely like sweet, delicious, almost caramel tasting squash. And, you know, that was the sort of the theme for the dinner. And he had to, he made a macaroon with it. And I was like, oh, wow. not sure how I yeah. feel about that. And then I tasted it and I was like, whoa, this actually really, really works. Another thing is that I have this incredible tree at home. So like I said, I'm an avid gardener and I have all of these unique trees from farmers that I work with. And I have a Persian mulberry tree. You know, it's just started to fruit now, but you know, I've worked with this product before and yeah, I I told Chris about it. I was like, hey, you need to use these Persian mulberries. It literally tastes like Bubble gum, and he did this absolutely incredible dessert using watermelon and Persian mulberries, and it was the bomb. So good.
0: (laughs) He's very talented. So, what is your latest ingredient obsession?
1: Latest ingredient obsession? Honestly, I would have to say tomatoes right now. You know, we're really going into the season, and you know, a great tomato is absolutely brilliant, and a not so good tomato is awful, right? So, You know, you really have to spend the money on tomatoes. I think that's something that people don't really realize. You know, you're spending like crazy money on good tomatoes, especially for the time, of you know, in the season that we're at. And so every chef is just on the prowl to get the best possible tomatoes market, you know, at this stage.
0: So in terms of a chef, I'm curious, I mean, are you a chef that is... Uh, working with, um, scientific tools a little bit, you know, I'm curious about, like, uh, if there's a, a piece of, uh, kitchen equipment that's, uh, you know, that is essential to you and, and not talking about your knives, but, uh, you sure, know, so. sure, sure.
1: You know, I'm a real purist. So I did a lot of, like, sort of molecular gastronomy at the French Laundry and worked with a bunch of different chemicals and so forth. And it was really interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'm certainly appreciative of that experience, but. Honestly, I just like food, you know, I like good ingredients. I like to keep it simple and also in terms of technique too, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to sort of like crack the next code with, you know, molecular gastronomy. It's really not my style. I I really like, I I often thought, you know, using some of these chemicals is just like, "Mm, can this be good for you? And "Mm, how far is this really strayed, strayed from being something that's interesting? To just being like delicious, you know, for me, simplicity is absolutely key. It's not being like, Oh, well, I want to cook this and I want to showcase my technical, you know, uh, ability by doing this and that. It's more about like, hmm, no, what would I want to sort of eat for sure? But also, what do, what does the guest want to eat? And for me, when you talk about like sort of chemicals in food, I really think you just diluting it you know it's unnecessary in my approach anyway i mean yeah sure it can you know stabilize a great foam and make a nice puree but often it's sort of diluting the product, and you can achieve the same results without any of that sort of mumbo jumbo so i take a real simple approach to both somewhat technique and but definitely ingredients you know it's, it's it's absolutely everything
0: So you're talking about like real food and I'm thinking of people that are maybe listening at home and they are home cooks. So I, I would like to pick up your brain and do that with, you know, each chef that I have on the show. Take like something which is, uh, you know, mainstream. So you have been talking about pasta, you know, from, uh, you know, the Laurel Hardware, you know, restaurant that you have. So... Um, what would be your suggestion? How people can prepare a really nice summer uh, pasta dish recipe at home?
1: Right. Well, pasta is very close to my heart. I mean, I have, I saw a ton of it at both locations. I love making it. I feel like it's extremely therapeutic. You know, we have a really beautiful Italian extruder as as well as doing a lot of hand rolled items. Honestly, I think you know, for for people cooking at home, you know, simplicity again, like to go back to that is just absolutely key, right? And when we're talking about pasta in summer, which is obviously sort of a heavier carb-driven scenario, it's like really, really keeping it simple, you know, go to the farmer's market and try and eat meat less, right? So, get These amazing tomatoes and some garlic, and some here we go,
0: tomatoes again.
1: <laughs> there we go. Oh my gosh, um, yeah! Well, it's this time of year, man. <laughs> sure, I sure. I know.
0: So, what do I put with my tomato? You know, what how do I combine?
1: Well, I think that the biggest thing you're going to do pasta in summer, then you need to sort of pair it with a salad, right? It's you're not doing some big, heavy, you know, oxtail ragu, you're doing something light and you know maybe you have a bit of a white wine base so you have that nice acidity and you know even though it's sort of carb driven it's still acidic and you know balanced and i think that's the biggest thing for people cooking at home is sort of not overthinking it you know you have friends coming over you know a nice like bucatini with a really simple you know the blanc and black pepper and then paired with a really lightly dressed mixed green salad is sort of it's it's sort of enough you know and and definitely when I cook, no, for, no other
0: herbs that I put, you know. In, oh uh, my in gosh! The, all, in the herbs, all
1: the herbs, all the herbs. Okay, so
0: which one? Tell me. <laughs> I well, honestly, I mean,
1: I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a, a garden, so whenever I cook at home, I I will do something really simple, you know, like a maybe a penne with you know a butter lemon sauce, and then just go out into the yard and grab you know some fresh oregano, some fresh fat, flat leaf parsley, some you know, interesting different basil, some pineapple basil, so and and really like, you know, that's sort of that fiend herb French aspect where, you know, you really get this herbaceous bright and then finish it all with a ton of lemon juice so you don't feel like you're eating this sort of heavy
0: meal, a bit right? Of cheese in there or not oh, like feta my gosh, you or have anything. To. Or
1: I mean I this I think like a nice like aged pecorino, but again down to the ingredient. And you know, you go and you don't have to, you know, buy a big 10 pound block of this thing, you know, you really are able to cook (laughs) (laughs) simply from, you know, we have great grocery stores and, you know, you pay the price for it. Right. But if you're substituting like a really nice cheese, as opposed to buying, you know, some steak, for example, you know, I really, I think, you know, vegetarian and and vegan is definitely sort of the way and, and and what is going to be sustainable in the future. But I think if you can balance, which is, highly upsetting, but you know, if you can balance sort of like not having too much of an intake and say, okay, well I'm gonna buy a really beautiful aged pecorino, just to shave over a simple pasta tonight. And I really think simplicity is the key when you're cooking at home. You know, people are people are impressed by the execution of things, not like, oh wow, there's all these bells and whistles. It just just looks like you're trying too hard, right, if you're at home doing a dinner party. So I just think simplicity is absolutely key but maybe you factor in some some capers and you know some olives and something that's going to give a bit more of a briny aspect but it's all about balance right so you just you play around okay
0: but i like the idea that you're putting some acidity you know in uh, in the mixture so that's great so for sure i think it's time to um because you have been very generous with uh with yours so um to um Finish with um, uh, some rapid-fire questions.
1: Well, oh boy, I'm scared of this. Hit me.
0: So okay, so you and I are going on the flavors unknown tasting trek in LA. Are we? So which are yes, we we could. So which <laughs> are the five places you will take me to?
1: Oh boy, in LA or California?
0: It has to be done in like a day. So yeah. So, you know, it's, we start in the morning and we end up at the end of Does the it day. Does it have to be
1: restaurants? So can it be like, no, uh,
0: no, oh, no, okay. it could cool. be anything. I just want to expand something different, unique. You know, I'm a foodie and, you know, it's, so I, you know, I, I want something really unique and new. Well, I
1: would probably start out by taking you to for breakfast at Squirrel in in Los Angeles sorry, in Silver Lake they do a really incredible just sort of authentic and just non pretentious food but using really interesting flavors and they're so sustainable in terms of their approach to cooking so Squirrel in in uh, Los Feliz I think and then lunch so that's one I, Okay, Okay. that's one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay, got it. And then I would definitely like take you on some different excursions, like to the fish market and to the farmer's market in Santa Monica. I mean, it's definitely the best market in the city. Meat farmers just taste like melons are just coming in right now. So Wiser Farms absolutely kills it there. Like absolutely just slays like the best melons you've ever Put in your
0: mouth, but, like cantaloupe, cantaloupe melon, or <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah, All the like, melons, yeah. and he has like really interesting varieties. And you know, it's sort of this toy box mix of just absolutely amazing melons. Okay, that just- so
0: it could can count for two places you say fish markets and you know, farmers markets. Okay, so we have three now.
1: Okay, so, so we're at yeah. three. <laughs> you know, I love like really sort of clean food, I love Japanese food, I love sushi. I have a little spot that I like to go to, it's kind of understated on Santa Monica Boulevard called Jimpachi. And it just really, really, really good, clean, beautiful product. And Do they have great uni? like I said, again, not oh yes. Oh, Although wow. I have a bit of an issue with Uni uh-uh. because You allergic to it? There's a story. There's Uh-oh. a story here. You wanna hear it?
0: Sure. Absolutely.
1: Okay, so I spent quite a if bit of time a good one. in Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's good. They're, they're all good. (laughs) But I spent quite a bit of time in Thailand just, you know, based on the fact that it's somewhat close to Australia. You know, we're so far from everything. So definitely sort of in my late teens was just working to be able to go and live in Thailand for, you know, months on end and cook and eat. And, uh, oh, the food's amazing. The people are amazing. You know, the environment's absolutely beautiful. So I was doing some snorkeling there at one time and I was like sort of off in off in a boat and uh my friend was messing around with me and and uh, I just kicked my foot down on this sea urchin and Aye, pain yikes. and yeah. I, and and the pain of it caused me to kick down even further so I literally stuck this pin cushion into the sole of my foot like oh my deep gosh. like we're talking sort of two inches you know in. hundreds of spikes in my foot me coming from Australia where everything's poisonous, I thought I was going to die. So I'm just, my leg went numb. I was screaming, the boat was leaving. And then basically I had this like terrible, you know, foot. I can can hear the helicopter coming to save
0: you at the moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I have always been, so anyway, yeah, I was in, in Thailand for months on crutches, Poor old me, oh hobbling gosh. through paradise in the sand on crutches it was not easy. But yeah, so you it, it don't ended eat any sea since then. No, oh, I eat the uh, heck out of those exactly, sea. Exactly, it, 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 it's, it's called vengeance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a vengeance <laughs> thing. And <laughs> and recently at my favorite Japanese restaurant, eating a little like piece of uni shell in it cracked my front tooth. Oh no! So holy. really. Oh, Had to go to the dentist the next day. Oh
0: gosh!
1: I was, I'm like, there is something with me and Ernie. I'm, I'm, at the, yeah, it's vengeful. Oh my gosh! It's and my in nemesis. Yeah,
0: you have yeah delicious uni. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, we have great Ernie, and I so, will
1: gladly smear that on some toast. Okay, so don't down. worry,
0: you can eat something else at this sushi place. <laughs> but I will eat the uni. So, so <laughs> what's the, okay, so so I need what, one the next one? more one, one yeah, more. One place? More. It could be a bar. We can have a drink after it's up to oh, you Oh, cool
1: okay cool well you know i'm a big fan of the old dive bar and you know it's coming from isabel which is so far from that i love just something that's super super relaxed so what's you the know name what i'm gonna say the pikey right around the corner from my house is, is highly convenient right there just for a nice little, Very cool. little
0: drinky poo okay that's <laughs> <Sounds> great <laughs> okay so did I take yeah, it <laughs> absolutely, thank you so much for playing <laughs> with me here so the, my pleasure the um let's talk about cookbook I don't know do you, do you um look at cookbooks you uh read them, you flip through them or not really?
1: you know what I will be honest, and like when I first started out in the industry, I was obsessed with cookbooks and got myself a nice sort of inventory of them now I gotta be honest, I don't even pick them up. I just I like to kind of it's not like a, you know again collaboration so important to me and it's not like I'm trying not to be influenced by anything else but I'm just so focused on doing my own thing that I just don't really So I mean I, I read that novels
0: and other I, Yeah, but if I say, you know, <laughs> there's one cookbook of course, I'm not talking about the French Laundry one because that <sighs> would be that would be too easy. So if there's yes, one other true. one other cookbook that's uh, inspired you? When you were flipping through them at the time that you were still reading cookbooks, which one would you suggest?
1: Honestly, I'm going to go with an Australian. Got to represent, sure. but quay uh, and, and key and circular key, absolutely beautiful. And you know, the food scene in Australia in general is like really out of this world. And it's come so far since I left sort of 15 years ago. I'm really, really, really impressed with Australian chefs and. In general, it just has absolutely amazing food.
0: So what is your favorite guilty pleasure food? I'm sure you have one or more than one.
1: Oh, French fries. I can't stop. There's no fried potato I've I've met that I haven't liked. You know, it's it's a problem. It's a problem. So simple.
0: How do you eat them with? Do you eat them with anything like ketchup, any sauce, mayo? Oh, you've
1: got to go sort of like aioli. I I like all the sauces. So one thing about my... uh, About my palate is I hate any kind of dry food. So I hate shortbread. I can't even possibly imagine eating bread without butter. Like I like it rich and juicy. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Um, So I like, I like a lot of sauce. We made, uh, Caribbean steak sandwiches at my, at my house yesterday. And, you know, I just had to add the extra avocado spread. You know, it's just, it's just got to be done.
0: So I, I was, Going to ask you, so you know, it's your day off and you are feeling lazy, you're at home. So, what do you prepare for dinner?
1: I'm feeling lazy and what do I prepare? I, not tomato. I order food online, no <laughs> tomatoes. I swear, <laughs> actually, I'm not actually that no, not my pretense. You're ordering online. Wow. <laughs> I order some stuff online, but honestly, you know, I do cook a lot too at home. But when I do, it's all outdoors. I mean, we are cooking up the old wood and and uh charcoal in the fire pit and then we transfer it to either a hibachi or Yeah,
0: you have the hibachi grill, huh? <laughs> I think yeah, a video exactly. of you I doing this. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I love that thing, but also, you know, just like a simple Weber. I mean, it's so easy to do and you can honestly, you know, cook for 20 people on that thing. I mean, it's really versatile. It's inexpensive. It's fun. You know, it's, it's again, it's sort of the experience. So, and you can be with your guests at the same
0: time. So cool.
1: Exactly. And it's not, you know, my poor mother, my poor anxious mother is always like, I just can't cook anymore. I just can't do it. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) And that's something I've never experienced. It's just like, like cooking is not stressful, you know, when you know, the timing. And I guess, you know, practices everything, right? So you get better at it, but it just doesn't stress me out. It makes me feel really good to know that I'm like cooking for friends and family and there's no expectations. It's just like good food, good company, good wine, and Bob's your uncle, mate.
0: Yeah. And then <laughs> you know with the Abachi Grill, and you smoke like all your guests at the same time. So which is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one last question. One rule you learn in cooking school that every home cook should know.
1: What did I learn in cooking school that every home chef should know? Let me go ahead and say absolutely nothing. No, I'm just nothing. Uh, <laughs> that was a waste of forty five thousand uh, uh-huh. dollars.
0: <laughs> I, I heard something. Uh, yeah, no, that's
1: gonna be my answer. That's gonna be my answer.
0: Great, just, I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't go to culinary school after 40. I will tell people that.
0: <laughs> okay. That's funny. I heard like something similar from uh, Sam Mason, you know, like uh, ice cream hot fellows in, in New York. Oh, yeah. The same thing. said, I should have sent the money traveling around the world. Totally. And I, I just realized that, uh, you know, traveling, we haven't talked about Costa Rica. That's one of the things. That I know. I loved Costa Rica. So.
1: Oh, you do? Oh, oh yeah. It's such an amazing, magical place on earth. But, so I got affiliated through this incredible sustainable seafood company that's actually, it just closed and it's relaunching called Dr. Dish. And they work closely with this resort in Costa Rica. And essentially, I got in touch with the owner and he he has this chef exchange program, which I really love the idea of, right? Because again, we're just like losing the ego and You know, you send me one of your chefs and I'll come out there and I'll give him a bunch of stages here in Los Angeles. And I basically, I go out there once a year and do tasting menus. You know, I'll stay six days and three nights I'll be doing tasting menus. The other three nights I'll be chilling with the slots. But what's really amazing about it is that people are just so blown away. They're In Costa Rica, they come to the resort, like hotel. It's absolutely beautiful, rainforest beach ocean scenario it's called Arena del Mar. and i'll do like a twelve course tasting menu using the different ingredients right so it's so fun it's also you know i've got a kitchen full of spanish-speaking people that you know it's not so different from los angeles but you know i need translators for and you know and, and it's really 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 interesting to be able to makes me a better chef to go and do it
0: so how often do you go, do you do that
1: Just once a year. Once once a year. year. Okay. Yeah. And and, and they're so, it'll be about, I just got back. So it'll be, you know, roughly about sort of, yeah. But what's really incredible about it is this resort, they go out of their way not to disrupt their environment. And they're so respectful of their nature. Like it's just sort of the pura vita mentality where, you know, they're so, they're so respectful of an, you know, in awe of their own beauty, you know, they can recognize it and and they're trying to do everything right. So, you know, the compost is, you know, seven different composts, you know, one goes to feed the pigs that then they get in to use at the restaurant and one goes to the chicken and citrus goes somewhere else. And, you know, it's like it's composting and recycling on a completely different level and something that America just doesn't even touch. I mean, I've tried to get sort of different compost situations happening for the restaurants like horrible to throw away things right but you know unfortunately there's just not the it's too expensive for it to be profitable for anybody and you know doing the right thing is usually the most expensive thing right
0: have you had a chance to uh to travel a little bit within uh, costa rica
1: not so much actually i pretty much just have just come out here and, and i don't even leave the resort
0: so two two oh, oh come on two places that you have to discover <laughs> is like the uh, the volcano Arenal area, which is beautiful. And then the other one is the Monteverde part of the, of the country, which is outstanding. So you should, you should go there next time. What
1: took you over there? My last uh, just, um, um,
0: I love travel. So <laughs> I, I, I yeah. you know, every, every year. Have you
1: been to Australia?
0: Uh, unfortunately, not. Uh, <gasps> no, that's one place I haven't been. So no, no, no. I well, this is there. a,
1: this is in, uh, Manuel Antonio. On that coast. Oh
0: yeah. Okay. So it's, that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been there. Yeah, I've been to the to the park. Oh, you have? Yeah. 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 I've done. Uh, I've done ten days over there. That's phenomenal. And Ooh, um, yeah, I want beautiful. to go back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Anyhow, so thank you so much. And um, <laughs> thank next you. time I'm in LA, I will knock on your door and we'll do this little tasting tour that seems phenomenal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a little eclectic, but you know, I think it's going to be a good time. That's great. I'll wait for that drink at the Pikey. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much, Chef. I really enjoyed to have uh, you on the show.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening today. It was such a pleasure to have Chef Alison Trent on the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, please make sure that you share this episode with other chefs or foodie friends. And you can share it directly from your phone or on the podcast website, flavorsunknown.com. Remember to subscribe to the show and please leave a review and a rating. In two weeks, my guest will be Chef Johnny Sparrow from a reverie in Washington, D.C. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. You've just enjoyed another delicious episode of Flavors Unknown. Hungry for more? Hit subscribe. Tell us where you're listening from by leaving a review. And for social media and show notes, head to flavorsunknown.com.